Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Beneath the Maze. I'm your host, BP Murray. Thanks for tuning in. As I said on social media, last week's episode was canceled. I wrote it out and didn't love it, so I scrapped it. Um, didn't want to waste your time. Uh, Eyes on the Prize, uh, episode six, formerly episode six, had some good content, but not enough for a full episode. I'll cover some of the topics likely in a bonus episode down the road. Um, and so as a result, I changed episode seven of season one to episode six. And that episode is called Small Complicated Rules. And that's going to be next week uh, where we will go over the maze itself um, and the, the small complicated rules that create the walls of the maze. As for tonight, I made the executive decision to start Season 2, Episode 1, Empty the Quiver. I'm going to unleash a barrage of arrows designed to better our messaging as a political movement. Season 2 will focus globally on the political chess game between society's feeling of purpose and the jester. This is going to be deep, complex, and it will challenge you quite a bit. So without further ado, let's fire off some arrows in Season 2, Episode 1, Empty the Quiver. Guys, we need to discuss messaging. As I said in the bonus episode, our messaging is terrible compared to the jester, and I'll explain further. Let's try to put ourselves in the shoes of a new voter someone who has not followed politics and just started their first job, let's say. Why should this new voter choose the Republican path? How would a well-known Republican respond to this? The Republican Party is pro-freedom, pro-jobs, and the left is trying to destroy freedom, blah, 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 blah. Something like that, right? Okay. Now let's say the same person asks a well-known Democrat the same question. Why should they choose the Democrat path? How would the well-known Democrat respond? Almost the same, but opposite, right? The Democrat party is pro-civil rights and Republicans are trying to take rights away, yada, yada, yada. At this point, the new voter is torn hearing a similar but opposite sales pitch from both sides. But then the Democrat jumps up and says, Did I mention, if you vote for me, you will receive free health care, free college or student loan debt forgiveness, and $15 an hour minimum wage? What does the Republican do? There is a fundamental problem here. What does the Republican say in response? Crickets chirp. And the Republican eventually starts denouncing all of the free shit that the Democrat is offering. Or maybe the Republican says, you get to keep your freedom. Well, the new voter doesn't see or understand why their freedom is in jeopardy. You have to write a book to explain it and win them over. 
And new voters, young voters, have a short attention span. The Republican is right. All of the free stuff ends up making society worse. And nothing is truly free. But the sales pitch is over. And the new voter has already bought the silver platter of bullshit. So what? We, we need a gimmick, Murray? Is that what you're saying? We need to do what the left does? No. No. Not at all. We need a better sales pitch. And we need to understand what's going on. To use a metaphor, let's pretend that running society is like trying to tape a cardboard box together. The Democrats are like the infomercial. They've got this new kind of tape and it's gonna permanently seal the box without lifting a finger. And the tape is gonna do all these amazing things. And if you buy now, they'll throw in a second roll of tape for free. And just like the infomercial, the product never works as well as it sounds, does it? But on the other hand, the Republican Party has been like a monotone teacher pointing to a roll of duct tape. You know, yeah, it, it, hey guys, it's duct tape, you know, it works. Well, the Republican Party's sales pitch is terrible. Their product is good, their sales pitch is bad. The Democrats, it's the opposite. Their product is bad, but their sales pitch is good. I had someone on social media say that America sells itself. That's the only sales pitch we need. My friend, I wish that were the case. America sells itself? So do nothing. Or keep doing what we have been doing for the last two decades and expect different results? That's the definition of an insane person. Keep doing the same thing and expect different results. Others may say, we need to teach our principles. Yes, we do. But that is going to take a very long time. Time that we don't have. And the left controls the schools. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but this is the reality of the situation. Whether you choose to accept it or not is entirely up to you. You know, keep, keep doing the same thing we've been doing and hope for the best. You know, grip it and rip it. No. I reject the status quo. I started this podcast to highlight a different path that we can take. The road we are on now does not look promising. We are in a chess game with the jester. And, and it's like we're playing an away game. And we can complain about that. We can complain about the cards we've been dealt until the crows come home. Or we can accept the reality and get to work on how to beat the jester and thrive despite the challenges. So let's empty the quiver. Fire every arrow I brought to this episode and start winning. On abortion, big focus here. The midterms were a big disappointment, in large part because the left weaponized this topic 
and confused young woman to support something that 95% of them will never use. You hardly need to debate them on this topic. Just ask one question. At what point do you believe a child should have the right to live? And of course, the left cannot answer this question. When should rights begin? Shouldn't that be the easiest question for a politician to answer or somebody interested in politics? They won't do it. They won't do it. Some will say, at birth. But if they do, pry a little further. At what exact moment do you believe the child should have the right to live? When the doctor records the time of birth? When the head is out of the birth canal or the feet? Oh, it's like football. Two feet in bounds is a completion of rights. <laughs> then press further. I just want to know. Say, you know, you got to say, I just want to know. When can you drop the guillotine on the baby? If the baby isn't fully out of the birth canal, can you ask the doctor to leave the baby in, take a look at it, and then if it has a mole that the mom doesn't like, can you release the guillotine at that point or no? They'll shift to something like, that would never happen. Don't let them off the hook. Just say, good, then let's make it illegal. If it will never happen, then let's make it illegal. But they won't. They won't. But that's your abortion, abortion message. Ask a simple question. At what point do you believe a child should have the right to live? It's deadly. On the popular vote, this is a counter-argument. But we have no strong response. I've heard, oh, we don't want people in New York and California, you know, dictating uh, how everybody else should live. We've heard that one. It's not very strong. So I've got a better way to explain it. Pretend there is a new country or a deserted island with a hundred people on it. And they decide that anytime there is a dispute or issue, they will have a vote. And the simple majority wins. Time goes by. People live separate lives. Now, let's say a bad storm hits the island. Everyone survives, and afterwards, 10 people decide they're going to build a shelter and store food for the next storm. And they ask everyone if they'd like to help. The other 90 do not think it's worth it, because the storm was not too bad and everyone survived. The 10 people spend weeks of time and energy building the shelter while the other 90 relax, don't worry about storms, and live life normally. Well, then guess what? A storm comes in, and it's worse than the last one. Much worse. The 10 people huddle in their shelter. The other 90 want to come in too, but it only fits 10 people. They may have built it bigger if they had more help, but everyone turned them down. So what happens? Arguing begins. And the 90 people outside, with no contribution to the shelter whatsoever, argued that they should rotate who was allowed in the shelter. 
this becomes an issue. So the people on the island hold a popular vote on whether to rotate time spent in the shelter or let the 10 who built it stay in the shelter. And guess what? The people on the outside, with their life on the line, win the vote. Thanks for building the shelter. Please step out now and go to the back of the line. Why should those who did not build the shelter get to reap the benefits of it? Well, they shouldn't. They voted for what was best for them, not what was right. You need a check against this scenario. The founders of America knew that this was human nature and thus needed to find a way to shield society from it. On the free discussion and high taxes for the so-called rich, I always say so-called rich because remember, the game never ends for the left. If they accomplish a 70% tax for people making over 400000 a year, they won't stop. They'll chalk it up as a win, but in a few short years, they'll change their definition of rich from over 400 k to over 150 k and then 100 and then 80 The game never ends. Gotta keep their followers on the treadmill. So, on the free discussion and high taxes for the so-called rich... The left says, healthcare is a right. People should not be living in poverty while corporate billionaires receive record profits. We need to tax them at 70%. Oh, dude, you figured it out. I can't believe no one has ever thought of this idea in the history of civilization. That's it. We should take all the money from the rich and give it to the powerful. (laughs) This way, instead of thousands of rich people and a powerful government, we will just have one massively rich and all-powerful entity. What could possibly go wrong? It's the perfect plan. Well, well, no, no, Murray. Uh, The politicians said that the money would go to healthcare and, and to the poor. Oh, well, good thing politicians never lie. I'm sure we can trust them. Once they have all of our money and all of our property and all the power to do anything they want, I'm sure at that point we will have reached utopia and everyone can just sit around and drink margaritas on the beach. I'm just not sure who's making the margaritas. Because like we talked about in episode two, In a world where everything is free, who works? Everyone can't just sit around and drink margaritas on the beach. That world does not exist. It's not a reality. So those are the two messages. Number one, I don't think taking money from the rich and giving it to the powerful is fundamentally sound. And number two, as we've said before, In a world where everything is free, who works? 
and on the environmental BS. The left says, 97% of scientists agree. Agree on what? They're so good at manipulating data and coming up with misleading headlines. Don't even start sifting through the BS. Just ask them to get consensus from the scientists on how long we have until doomsday. Is it 10 years? 12? Can we get a consensus on the date that the environmental bomb goes off? I mean, even a six-month time frame would be good. They won't get consensus because there isn't much agreement here. Why? Because environmental doomsday as a result of climate change is a myth. It's fear-mongering recruitment tactics to court the lost to the wheel. That's all I got for you today. Got four strong arrows. And we're kicking off season two. It's going to be really fun. Really excited about season two. But we're not giving up on season one. I still got a lot of content there. I think we'll get to seven, eight, maybe nine episodes. But the end is a work of art. Thanks for your patience through the canceled episode. And thanks for tuning in. I'll see you guys next week.